Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast from Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to get into God's Word every single day, so we decided to read through the Bible chronologically and talk about it together. Thanks for listening. All right, guys, so today we are in Job. We're starting in chapter 15, so we're going to see Eliphaz speak again. We're also going to see our favorite small-statured friend, Bildad the Shuhite, speak again. Um, it, I mean, I, actually, like, talking about Job is is tricky to me because it does kind of start to feel like, okay, like, these guys just keep talking. They're not really saying anything new. Do you, do you feel that way at all? Yeah, it is kind of like they're, they're again, talking in cycles, and each cycle yeah. is just more intense. So they're saying the same things with bigger insults. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, we start Which is how out, I love to have conversations with my friends. <laughs> go ahead and listen to uh, Chelsea read the text today. You get to hear uh, Eliphaz call Job a windbag. Um, you get to hear... And Job, like, you know, doesn't take it lying down. He definitely goes right back at it. He's this like, you're a windbag too. <laughs> is like linguistic fighting. It's really great. In poetry. Uh, Bill Dad says... Like Shakespeare. <laughs> Bill Dad says, how long before you stop talking? Um, if you want tips for life, probably don't use that phrase ever, <laughs> especially if you're someone's friend, right? I mean, this is crazy. Um, so there, like, like usually how we do this is Chelsea read it today. I was just kind of like underlining things as it stuck out. I, I noticed, uh, Job 15, uh, 15. So it says, look, God does not even trust the angels. Even the heavens are not absolutely pure in his sight. How much less pure is a corrupt and sinful person with a thirst for wickedness? So this is Eliphaz like trying to get a, a jab in at Job. Um, but what's interesting is we're starting to get a picture of what Eliphaz believes about other things, not just Job. Eliphaz believes that uh, humans are not important to God. Um, you'll you'll kind of see that as he speaks. Uh, I think we get to hear him speak again Later on, I'm pretty sure he speaks three times. Yeah, um, I think so, he speaks the most out of all of them. Yeah, he, and he, it, you do just start to get a little bit of a picture of his beliefs about the world, and so his belief is that humans are not worthwhile; they're not really all that valuable. Yeah, um, and Job is going to make the point that, like, no, like humans are very important. And so, what I like about this, and what I take away from this, is in that culture at that time, uh, the God space is pretty crowded. If that makes sense, like we we don't necessarily understand that as well, um, but kind of in these polytheistic cultures, like the understanding was humans aren't super valuable to the gods, and if humans want something, they have to do something to please the gods, and then they'll get it. And right. if they're not pleasing the gods, then they'll be punished. So that is kind of the view of these friends, um, and it is what makes Yahweh, like the Hebrew God, like our God that we worship today, it is something that makes him stand out. And I think that actually proves like he is the real true God. He's not like one of these made up human inventions. Yeah. Even today. I mean, yeah. if you compare him to other gods, other religions, yes. he's very different, very different. And we are valuable in his sight. And yeah. that's why like when Job is representing this idea of like, no, I don't, I don't think I deserve God's wrath coming down on me, um, that we should pay attention to that. Um, because God does love us, and Job is kind of making that case that, like, he has a strong relationship with God. He's not getting these things because of something wicked that he did. Um, and it, it's, it sticks out. Like, it stands out. Yeah. And again, this is kind of a, a bad example of friendship. I mean— <laughs> What do you mean, you went back? spit out your coffee. I mean— I did almost I don't know if you've noticed, coffee. but they're kind of jerks. I But to think about how 
Job says, if I were, if it were me, I'd be the one encouraging you. I would try and take away your grief. And these people, these men are so convinced in what they believe or who they believe God to be that they are not willing to humble themselves for a moment and think, well, what if I'm wrong? Like they are so convinced. And I mean, that's a good, that's a good life application for us today. Can we take a moment and say, what if I'm wrong about this? Um, and be willing to engage in a different perspective. But I mean, the other thing that kind of sticks out to me, and I don't have anything good to say about this, so I hope you do. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but is is Job's view of God and him as like a charging warrior and someone surrounding him with arrows and like piercing him with arrows and poison. What does that mean? Why is he talking about about God like that? Um, I, I haven't read specifically about those examples very much. I, to me, when I look at Job's um, view of God, um, I think we're we're getting like basically the language of someone who feels seriously afflicted, hmm. you know, like I, I don't know that. And and again, I haven't like read deeply into this, but I don't know that Job is saying like, you know, God is a warrior attack. I mean, he does say that, yeah. but I think it's the words that he's using that just reflect like how hurt and how uh, in despair he is. Yeah. It's how- kind of reminiscent of the Psalms of lament. So when we go through yeah. Psalms, eventually, um, we'll we'll go through lots of Psalms that have lament in them, and the psalmists kind of talk about God in that way, and it just kind of shows their heart posture of just it's kind of and it's poetry. We have to remember it's poetry. Yeah. Um. So it's so there is like a little bit more. There's metaphors. Language. It's outlet. Yeah. It's yeah. he's just yeah, like you said, expressing his grief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things just on that note, and it's just something that has intrigued me as I've learned more about Job. So apparently like the original manuscripts of Job, like if you go back and dig them up or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they are written in Aramaic and Hebrew. Um, so Job is incredibly challenging for people who are translating. Mm-hmm. I mean, particularly some of the first people who translated this that don't necessarily have the, you know, thousand plus years of experience that we now have. Right. Um, so, you know, just being able to translate um, from two different languages and actually like language changes over time. So two different older versions of language um, and especially in poetry is is very difficult. And so a lot of times if you if you read uh, kind of your own research and your own study about Job, you'll find uh, that that this is one of the more difficult books for people to actually translate mm-hmm. and and therefore understand as well. Um, so, you know, it, it, I don't know that that is like to me that enhances my view. It's like it's like fun for me to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it's kind of valuable, but it's also kind of like extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, guys, we are so excited again to keep going through Job. I mean, I'm learning so much. And yeah. to think that we approached this book originally being like, I don't know what we're going to say. <laughs> and to learn so much about the character of God. And again, asking the right questions is so key. And next time we're on, we have Chris and Lindsay. I'm very thoughtful. excited. I am, I, People who are so much smarter than us. Yes, I love that. <laughs> we're going to learn so much. I know. That's great. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye. All right. See ya. Bye. Job 15, beginning in verse 1. Eliphaz's second response to Job. Then Eliphaz the Tamanite replied, A wise man wouldn't answer with such empty talk. You are nothing but a windbag. The wise don't engage in empty chatter. What good are such words? Have you no fear of God, no reverence for him? Your sins are telling your mouth what to say. Your words are based on clever deception. Your own mouth condemns you, not I. Your own lips testify against you. Were you the first person ever born? Were you born before the hills were made? Were you listening at God's secret counsel? 
Do you have a monopoly on wisdom? What do you know that we don't? What do you understand that we do not? On our side are aged, gray-haired men, much older than your father. Is God's comfort too little for you? Is His gentle word not enough? What has taken away your reason? What has weakened your vision that you turn against God and say all these evil things? Can any mortal be pure? Can anyone born of a woman be just? Look, God does not even trust the angels. Even the heavens are not absolutely pure in His sight. How much less pure is a corrupt and sinful person with a thirst for wickedness? If you will listen, I will show you. I will answer you from my own experience, and it is confirmed by the reports of wise men who have heard the same thing from our from their fathers, from those to whom the land was given long before any foreigners arrived. The wicked writhe in pain throughout their lives. Years of trouble are stored up for the ruthless. The sound of terror rings in their ears, and even on good days they fear the attack of the destroyer. They dare not go out in the darkness for fear that they will be murdered. They wander around saying, where can I find bread? They know their day of destruction is near. The dark day terrifies them. They live in distress and anguish, like a king preparing for battle. For they shake their fists at God, defying the Almighty. Holding their strong shields, they defiantly charge against Him. These wicked people are heavy and prosperous. Their waists bulge with fat. But their cities will be ruined. They will live in abandoned houses that are ready to tumble down. Their riches will not last, and their wealth will not endure. Their possessions will no longer spread across the horizon. They will not escape the darkness. The burning sun will wither their shoots, and the breath of God will destroy them. Let them no longer fool themselves by trusting in empty riches, for emptiness will be their only reward. They will cut down in the, they will be cut down in the prime of life. Their branches will never again be green. They will be like a vine whose grapes are harvested too early, like an olive tree that loses its blossoms before the fruit can form. For God, for the godless are barren. Their homes enriched through bribery will burn. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Their womb produces deceit. Job's fifth speech, a response to Eliphaz. Then Job spoke again, I have heard all this before. What miserable comforters you are. Won't you ever stop blowing hot air? What makes you keep on talking? I could say the same things if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism and shake my head at you. But if it were me, I would encourage you. I would try to take away your grief. Instead, I suffer if I defend myself, and I suffer no less if I refuse to speak. Oh God, you have ground me down and devastated my family. As if to prove I have sinned, you have reduced me to skin and bones. My gaunt flesh testifies against me. God hates me and angrily tears me apart. He snaps his teeth at me and pierces me with his eyes. People jeer and laugh at me. They slap my cheek in contempt. A mob gathers against me. God has handed me over to sinners. He has tossed me into the hands of the wicked. I was living quietly until he shattered me. He took me by the neck and broke me into pieces. Then he set me up as his target, and now his archers surround me. His arrows pierce me without mercy. The ground is wet with my blood. Again and again he smashes against me, charging at me like a warrior. I wear burlap to show my grief. My pride lies in the dust. My eyes are red with weeping. Dark shadows circle my eyes. Yet I have done no wrong, and my prayer is pure. O earth, do not conceal my blood. Let it cry out on my behalf. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is there on high. My friends scorn me, but I pour out my tears to God. I need someone to mediate between me and God, as a person mediates between friends. For soon I must go down that road, from which I will never return." Job continues to defend his innocence. My spirit is crushed and my life is nearly snuffed out. The grave is ready to receive me. I am surrounded by mockers. I watch how bitterly they taunt me. You must defend my innocence, O God, since no one will stand up for me. You have closed their minds to understanding, but do not let them triumph. They betray their friends for their own advantage. They let their children faint with hunger." 
God has made a mockery of me among the people. They spin in my face. My eyes are swollen with weeping, but I am but a shadow of my former self. The virtuous are horrified when they see me. The innocent rise up against the godly. The righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. As for all of you, come back with a better argument, though I still won't find a wise man among you. My days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires are broken. These men say that night is day. They claim that darkness is light. What if I go to the grave and make my bed in darkness? What if I call the grave my father and the maggot my mother or my sister? Where then is my hope? Can anyone find it? No, my hope will go down with me to the grave. We will rest together in the dust. Bildad's second response to Job. Then Bildad the Shuite replied, How long before you stop talking? Speak sense if you want us to answer. Do you think we are mere animals? Do you think we are stupid? You may tear out your hair in anger, but will that destroy the earth? Will it make the rocks tremble? Surely the light of the wicked will be snuffed out. The sparks of their fires will not glow. The light in their tent will grow dark. The lamp hanging above them will be quenched. The confident stride of the wicked will be shortened. Their own schemes will be their downfall. The wicked walk into a net. They fall into a pit. A trap grabs them by the heel. A snare holds them tight. A noose lies hidden on the ground. A rope is stretched across their path. Terrors surround the wicked and troubled them at every step. Hunger depletes their strength and calamity waits for them to stumble. Disease eats their skin. Death devours their limbs. They are torn from the security of their homes and brought down to the king of terrors. The home of the wicked will burn down. Burning sulfur rains on their houses. Their roots will dry up and their branches will wither. All memory of their existence will fade from the earth. No one will remember their names. They will be thrust from light into darkness, driven from the world. They will have neither children nor grandchildren, nor any survivor in the place where they lived. People in the West are appalled at their fate. People in the East are horrified. They will say this was the home of a wicked person, the place of one who rejected God. <laughs> 